We went to a Rick and Morty party, eh? And it wasn't a disaster. I did go to a Rick and Morty party. It wasn't really... So in downtown LA, what I'm beginning to suspect is there are just these artists who are desperate to, like, get anyone in their space where they can sell their work and, you know, feel good about their lives. So they just put on just themed parties where they sell themed art. And not only, like, not only is that a class of people, but there's, like, a separate symbiotic class of people who just exist to wander around that district of L.A. at night and just carry their glow sticks oh. from, like, from like warehouse to warehouse and dance. Until you said glow house, I, I, glow sticks, I was like, do you mean the... The, the the large number of homeless people that make that area prominently known as Skid Row. Oh no, the but, the security guards keep them away from you know the the people who, the nice middle class bourgeois people. But uh, ugh, gross. Uh, but I think again the fact that you went to a Rick and Morty party immediately after we recorded the first episode of the show, criticizing another show for inappropriately or inaccurately depicting nerds is more proof that they are not particularly in or inaccurate about how they are depicting nerds. I don't know. I mean, I just want to point out, at this Rick and Morty party, no one there was... Oh, wait, no, that's not true. Never mind. I was going to say, like, there was no one there who just, like, couldn't talk to a woman and just froze and... Like, awkwardly stood by the door. And I remember, oh, well, actually, I did that. Yeah, I was like, am I not night. sitting next to that very man? It's like, god damn it, you got me. The, the man who I met because we were both at a party where we couldn't <laughs> talk to anybody, and we both fled to the same area of the roof. That is, that is our secret origin story. And I guess with that <laughs> revealing of our origin story, to, to awkwardly introduce the show again, this is uh, Nick... And, and this is Kyle. In a show that we have decided moments ago we are going to be calling The Big Bang Theory Theory. And uh, boy, feels gross coming out, but that's who we are now. Uh, anyway, so to give a quick summary on what we do is I had never seen an episode of The Big Bang Theory before we started this show. And I had done my best to block out every episode of The Big Bang Theory I've ever seen, and done a pretty good job, I think. And knowing how much it is hated among the larger nerd community, uh, I thought it was worth pouring through the episodes firsthand to really understand if it's as terrible as everyone has led me to believe up to this point, or if there's actually something worth watching in there. Or also just as a means of torturing myself and having an excuse to put my voice onto a computer machine. Yes, and my mission is to convince Nick that this show really is every bit as terrible as its reputation suggests. Not having any luck yet, but there's still plenty of episodes out there. Well, I think we're getting closer already because the first episode, I was surprised by how much I liked it. I'm not saying I was crazy about it. But going in expecting it to be absolutely terrible, I was like, ah, it started out strong, there were some goofs. I stick to my theory of weird domestic violence, slave person undertones. Yeah, I think actually you got more evidence of that in this episode, but we'll get to it. Oh, we're, all right, we're going to have to get into that deep because I, I felt like it petered out. I was, I was sad that my thing immediately dissolved, so I'm excited to hear about that. Um, and so with that... 
we have just watched season one, episode two. Yeah, I don't think... Well, I just realized, you know, most shows, the episodes have titles. As far as I can tell, these if they have titles, I don't know what they are, or it doesn't seem to matter. I did not bother looking it up, and I will try to do that as unobtrusively as I can while we continue to speak about this. I'm pretty sure the first episode was called Pilot. That's generally how these things go. But uh, Well, I guess, you know, we'll have to see if that changes. Oh, they absolutely have titles. Oh, God. So, and... for the record, the episode we just watched was called... But, bum, 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 the Big Bran Hypothesis, which is a reference to a real, real boring non-joke, and I can't believe they called it that. Okay, so that's... Hey, guess what? <laughs> New show segment. Why did they call it this fucking title? We'll get to that later. It, it, it comes as it will come in the context of the episode, which, by the way, I uh, had to chat a little bit about the episode uh, before starting. I watched it uh, basically as soon as I woke up this morning and remembered none of it by the time we started recording uh, because it was just that uneventful. Like, so little happens because... I, I can't remember the exact opening of the episode, but I think it is Penny talking with them in their apartment about the furniture she's about to get and giving them her spare key. Or is that further in? They're not playing Warcraft, right? No. Okay. So, so my, <laughs> I have a, I, we, but my problem, just in case it, ke- I keep seeming like I'm schizophrenic, is that I accidentally watched the episode after this, and there literally so little happens to keep them apart that I keep having like weird flashes of not knowing which episode. So I guess you're right. I guess it just starts with her knocking on the door and being like, hey, I need a... I mean, they must be having a conversation about something. Can't believe they were? Because if, if whenever they're having a conversation, it really is just science thing, science thing, th- science thing. But that's how I feel about potatoes. And then there's a laugh. And I often don't understand why they're... Are they left. talking about food? Is this the one where where there's like... They don't use forks. Or no, they do use that forks. That is exactly it! Yes! They're eating Thai food at the beginning. And the, the, the big hubbub is about... Um, I think maybe it was Raj who... Is that his name? That is his name. Because I'm worried I was racist just saying that. But yeah. Um, who, who is Raj, I believe, asks for chopsticks. And Sheldon is about to correct him when Leonard steps in and be like, oh, don't even get him started on chopsticks. But you know what that does? It, it gets, gets him started, started on chopsticks. chopsticks. And how Thai people have had forks forever long. And that goes on. So the entire thing that we're trying to avoid ends up happening. All but we cap it off with, better not try to ask him about napkins. I'm so surprised you couldn't remember that it took us so long to dredge that up. Well, actually, so I should, going forward, uh, so yeah, they do start that way. It doesn't have any bearing on the rest of the episode. They're just eating together. Penny comes over and is like, Hey, uh, I'm going to be out of my apartment tomorrow working at the Cheesecake Factory or whatever. And furniture is coming if you guys can help move that for me. And so they agree to it. And it's sometime shortly after this. It is not a consequential joke. But Sheldon makes a joke about uh, the Mendelbrot set. I'm never sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And I couldn't explain it anyway. But he describes something as uh, the Mendelbrot set being messy. This is chaos. And the laugh track 
is a real solid <laughs> and it's so strange to think that the, the producers of that show in writing it recognized that that was a pretty throwaway joke that, that the input that they get to put into their, their, their own feedback system was wor worthy of nothing more than a <laughs> that's a very upsetting and disappointing use of godlike power but also yes. a very humble and honest use Anywho, so she gives them their keys, and then we cut to the next morning, or sometime in the day, when furniture arrives, and Guy brings it in on a dolly, they sign for it, Guy drops it off on a dolly on that first floor, where the uh, elevator notoriously does not work, and so these two physicists, Leonard and Sheldon, are now tasked with moving furniture all oh, things that their brains theoretically should be perfect for but oh their lack of practical knowledge can you believe it or not really gets in and the way of the let's not task. forget their far far inferior physical frame you know they're just not strong enough yes for the task two men who i believe at the time of recording were in their early to mid 30s and are completely average non-remarkable physical characteristics nothing that would prevent them from being able to do regular physical tasks, are immediately crushed by the overbearing weight of this box that appears to be... I think it's later like an Ikea sh cupboard or shelf. Yeah, I mean, it's not... It doesn't... I mean, it's been a long time since I've been to Ikea, but their stuff isn't even that heavy. No, I think it's notoriously flimsy. Yes. Like, that's... I, I've, I've never been to an Ikea, even though I'm pretty sure... We now have the largest IKEA in the world. We do. My one of my other best friends works there. I can hook you up anytime you want to go. If we can find him, sure, that would be great. <laughs> so they start working on moving the furniture up the stairs, and go on and on about uh, how I think. Oh, they're like it falls onto the stairs, and like, oh, great! Now we have an inclined plane, and this reduces the amount of force we'll have to use by. And I think Leonard says about half, and Sheldon says exactly half. And then, well, what are we gonna? What rule of physics are we going to use to deal with the corner? Good joke. Solid way to end that part of the scene. No, I am. I'm just gonna because there's one because this is the whole convert, and they just keep coming back to this. This whole conversation, because Sheldon rightly keeps pointing out, it's like, none of this is going to, like, make this girl want to have sex with you. That's true. Except, also, this is a, a recurring thing already. They can never say sex. Right, but yes. At the same time, he keeps referring it to a sexual congress. Yes. Which sounds more explicit somehow. And gross. But yes, yes, but like something you would read in an encyclopedia or, you know, like, you know, National Geographic is, I think, what he's going I've, for. I don't think I've ever, outside of an embarrassing scandal, seen the words sexual and Congress next to each other. But yes, that's correct. The, the, the whole, that's the thing. So the, the, it's not 100% sure, clear, what the show is supposed to be about, aside from there's a cute girl that Leonard wants to fuck. That's it. We have five people interacting with each other in whatever sorts of wacky scenarios are bound to ensue, but the only thing that matters as any consequence so far, and it's only episode two, is that Leonard wants to bone Penny. That's it. Right, and as Sheldon keeps pointing out, just randomly, like, doing, like, serfdom-like tasks does not seem 
to be the proper protocol for how these things work. To which Leonard responds, well, it's not not going to help my chances, as if that's, like, somehow intuitive. Is it? Is it not intuitive? Is that if I'm not mean to somebody? Well, well, no, I was going to say that if I'm not mean to somebody, that they'll be less willing to have sex with me. But then, again, as we talked about immediately before the show, I described someone as being very mean and that being the most attractive thing. So I retract yeah, to be clear, my so I want to. This is not a thing. This is not the stereotype is not here. Women like bad guys. We were just talking. Nick Hyde has it out there for women who can be mean to him. So if you're listening to this and you just like breaking a dude's spirit, have I got a have I got someone for you? It's that confidence. It's it's that it's the, the cutting. That's ah, oh, that's the stuff. Gross. Have to edit that out. No one needs to know that about me. Nope. Going in the show. Yeah, probably. Um so no, but that's it's just it like it doesn't necessarily bother me any one thing. It's just like a recurring thing. It's like Sheldon's like if you like her, just tell her you like her. Don't run around just doing random things that are just conceivably things any nice person could do for someone else and, and don't necessarily have any sexual connotation and expect it to lead to sex, which is shockingly good advice. Well, and that makes more sense in this episode. In the last episode, I do think there is much greater social weight to going to the person's giant football bicep uh, boyfriend apartment, ex-boyfriend's apartment, to, to get back all of her furniture. Apparently that wasn't all the furniture, because she has to get the Ikea stuff. Right. Um, but anyway, this is where your Mandelbrot set joke comes in, because they see her, they have the spare key, they let themselves into her apartment, and they see that it is quite chaotic. I, yeah, I mean, that's, she's a messy person. They don't even emphasize the messiness. It's not like there's spoons stuck to the floor covered in, like, Reese's peanut butter cereal and stuff like that. Like uh, That was oddly specific. I just remember having a brother uh, in college and going to his uh, dorm and, and seeing a spoon stuck with ice cream to the carpet and being eight years younger than him and thinking, oh, that's, that's how a king lives. <laughs> that's someone who didn't even need to... Put the ice cream or the spoon away. He was just like, done! Yes, finished the ice cream and said, Ah, I, I've i completed this task. On to the next part of my great life. I'm also surprised that based on how they act around Penny in every moment, that Leonard did not like immediately start masturbating into her underwear. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> the amount of self-restraint. That that is really his only motivation at all. And that he can be in there amongst all of her things and not lose his shit. But it is Sheldon who ends up losing it because he cannot believe the lack of organization in the apartment and that it becomes his, his goal to, to organize everything, to make sense of it at any price, which leads to a good old nighttime trespass. I can't call it a B&E because they have a key, but creepy night moves. He, 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 they, they use the key to get back into her apartment in the middle of the night. Uh, and Sheldon organizes for her while she sleeps, and then Leonard becomes complicit in this, uh, and there is jokes about how they have to talk in a lower register because uh, women have evolutionarily developed a, I guess, instinct, reflex, whatever you want to call it, to pick up on higher register noises while sleeping that resemble the cry of wee babes. 
And so, yeah, they, they, they go through all of her things and organize them in the middle of the night. And she wakes up upset about this and not just in complete terror, knowing that the most recent person to again, without authority, come in and take control of her life, that it's, that it's happening again, that she thinks she met some nice dudes, and then look what happens. Yeah, that was my, that was my, like, she doesn't call, the, I, I mean, I get it's a comedy, it's a wacky, the rules, it's not reality, I get that, but still, she does not call the police, which seems to me like, just like the most, or immediately a locksmith and have like all the locks changed on her doors, or I don't know, by a, well, she does, there is a nice joke about where I come from, if someone breaks into your apartment, uh, you shoot them. Which, yeah. Which is true. I believed her when she said that, that she was from that part of the country. Yeah. Good old castle doctrine. That's <laughs> that's what keeps America great. That, though, that, so she, she does not lose her mind and freak out and call the cops, but she does storm over and tell Leonard and Sheldon how creepy they are and gives them a good talking to. And that is where my theory about her being the, the escapee I felt started to dissolve. Oh, because she showed more like backbone than you expect. She didn't like crumple up. Yeah, yeah, not not just the backbone. I wouldn't expect her to crumble, but that she is again not doing anything at all possible to seek uh, acceptance and attention from these people that it seems like she has no reason to interact with. That she's like, all right, no, this is a line. You're a bunch of creepy nerds. Fuck off. This, oh, I am a, I am an independent human capable of taking care of myself, and we're done. And I don't know how it'll go in the future, but that's, that's where I thought that actually fell off a bit. Really? Because I thought, because I was just getting, because by that, the amount of work they have to do to get back, like, she draws that line and then proceeds to immediately back off from it with no real explanation other than, you know, I suppose from a certain perspective that might actually have been a nice thing to do. That is also true. Yeah, so they... Like, they, there is no grand gesture here. It's not like they, like, get down their hands and knees, or, or there's no explaining, you know, uh, Sheldon's on the spectrum, and he doesn't understand personal boundaries. Like... Well, that is still a part of it, though, because Leonard forces him to go and apologize. Which, by the way, so, um, in the first episode, I felt honestly pretty bad even raising the issue... Or the idea that Sheldon may be on the autism spectrum. Because I thought it was going to be... I thought just like from my general knowledge of the show that that was something they were kind of exploiting. And then I was like, well, I guess I didn't really see that in this first episode. And I'm being unfair. Uh, But no, they establish in this episode that he does not detect sarcasm. Which would be any of the intonation or facial features or context or anything like that and so they actually have to start pointing sarcasm out to him which reminds me of one joke that i thought really didn't make sense is uh penny is confronting sheldon about the incident and i can't remember what he says to her but her response is what kind of doctor do you think it would take to get my shoe out of your ass, or something like that. Yes. 
and Leonard holds up his little sign that says sarcasm. I'm pretty sure that's not sarcasm in that instant instance. No, she, she's just blatantly, she's threatening him. Yeah, it's not like, you're never gonna bully, like it's, oh, now I can't think of an example of sarcasm. Oh, I'm falling into the trap again. Ah! Um, yeah, it's, so I guess none of them understand it. And maybe that's another theory, is that none of these people are operating on the right, uh, the, 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 the normative wavelengths. Well, no, because can we, I mean, so here, this is what I noticed thinking back on it. When she wakes up, she's so upset that we hear her yelling from across the hall, which checks out. But then she knows it's them and she goes and she starts banging on the door. And Leonard is like, How, what happened? How did she know it was us? To which uh, Sheldon is like, oh, I left a note. To which right, Leonard is horrified. So Leonard is horrified, which clearly lets us know that his plan was to go into her apartment clean everything up, and then never tell her. Yeah, to let her remain terrified. <laughs> let her wake up knowing that someone had broken into her apartment, rearranged no. all of her clothes, done God knows what else. Yeah, okay. Whatever sympathy I had is is just exploding because that's, that is way creepier than what they'd originally set out to do, and you are 100% correct on that. Also in the middle of this is before apologies begin. Because yeah, Penny goes and chews them out, Leonard forces Sheldon to go and apologize. He does it in an inappropriate way, and I think it has something to do with, like, oh, yes, I guess this wouldn't be such and such. You wouldn't expect that if it weren't for the possibility that it may lead to you boning Leonard. And Leonard is like, oh, brother. And I think that's the end of that scene. And then later on, next day, whenever it is, Penny runs into Raj in the hallway, who continues... And this, this is persistent, not just to refuse to talk to her, but to make mean faces when he does it. It's not just, I'm scared. He never looks scared. It's always like, what is this again? And Well, now, no, was this at the beginning of the episode, is this the one where we established like he doesn't know her? Because I seem to recall him saying something like, hey, that pretty girl just left. Like... 30 sec, thirty minutes after, like, everybody else knows her name is Penny. Um, I think there is something like that. Like, it's and just, I mean, it's just pointed out, it's like, like, I get that you can't talk to her, but that should make you more observant. It's like, her, it's, her name is not hard to remember. It's Penny. Penny Raj. Well, the first episode when we were talking about it, I had it in my mind that her name was Summer for some reason. And I have to push that out of my mind and keep Penny in. So, I don't know. I guess I have that in common with Raj. But he runs into Penny, who then begins talking to him about how... She, she talks through the entire situation and talks herself into it not being that big of a deal and that she should apologize. Meanwhile, we hear Raj's inner monologue, which is basically, this woman is talking to me. She's still talking to me. Still talking to me. She smells good. Maybe I should get a traditional Indian wife so we don't have these cultural differences. And she will sing to my child the same song my parents sang to me. And then he starts singing it in his head until she goes away. And so I guess that is his defense mechanism. But that's fine, I think, until he goes upstairs to meet with the other nerds. And again with names... I can't remember Nintendo belt buckles name. It's Harold. 
Harold. Harold. Uh, Wallowitz. Wallowitz. Okay. He is smelled by Wallowitz, who notices that Raj apparently smells like a pretty lady, maybe vanilla, and then they hug and smell each other and feel each other up a bit, which I guess is fine. It made me think of the scene in the, the, the Virgin Suicides. I don't think it was in the movie, but it was in the book where they got some of the lipstick from one of the sisters that all lived together and they put it on. One of them put it on, and all the boys in this group went around taking turns kissing the, the boy who put the lipstick on so they could all imagine what it would be like to, to kiss one of these sisters. Uh, no reason to bring that up other than to say, hey, I've both read and watched The Virgin Suicides, and sometimes men smell each other, and it smells like a lady. I feel like I'm talking myself out of the reason I brought it up, which was a good reason. I'm great. We move on. So is Jeffrey Eugenides. He wrote The Virgin Suicides. I'm just bringing it full circle. I don't need to know that to tell you what I've seen. I don't need to know who did the thing that I watched and read. Except now I feel shitty because I did know it was Sofia Coppola who... Directed the movie, yes. Yes. Which I remember being fine. Eh. Anywho. So they, 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 they huff each other and they all talk about what a wacky misunderstanding it was. Penny comes back. No, yeah. Penny doesn't come back. He goes across the hall to apologize to her. Oh, right. And then... And he reads, then, like, the world's most awkward apology note. Yeah, which he, he uh, starts comparing himself to Oppenheimer <laughs> just before she silences, hugs him, and gives him a kiss on the cheek. And before, Mary Curie. And Mary Curie, yeah, tragically dying from radiation poisoning. He starts, he starts with the Mary Curie, moves on to Oppenheimer... Gets the hug and the kiss. She closes the door, and he walks across the hall to bumblingly run into his own closed door. Is that the end of the episode? Is that how it ends? I mean, usually there's like... Oh, no, it ends with them in her apartment putting together her Ikea show. Oh, Christ, and being, yeah. <laughs> and being... It's incredible. You know, because nerds, they can't just do things. They have to be simultaneously, like... Super obsessive and moddy and also can't listen to women. Yeah, yeah. It's like we have to establish all of those things. It's, uh, yeah, so they're putting together this this shelf, which comes with your standard instructions that have all the pictures where you put the pegs and the screws and the panels. And they cannot believe how inefficiently whoever engineered this shelf has designed it. They, they, they need to figure out a better way to make it and how to incorporate television and sound systems into it. And, and a cooling by, unit. By the time they're done, they're doing liquid cooling. And Penny is insisting that she can just do it. And it's not a big deal. And they're, they are too worked up. They, they, do, they do shush her. The, the Wallowitz is like, hey, listen, man, men at work. And they get so into it that at near the end of it, Penny says, okay, it's hot in here. And I'm going to take off all my clothes. And would you, would you believe it? These do chuckleheads doesn't even, doesn't even register. P- potential boobs, the, the the greatest driving force in humanity, and they they're, they're too busy thinking about how to make the sick liquid cooling system for a shelf for a woman who didn't ask for that help. Yes. Any other comments unaddressed up to this point about any of these people or the or the plot therein? So the I will well there were two things two nerdy de- the first is Leonard has a lightsaber that he uses for home defense. Oh right. Which I thought was nice. I mean, that I don't know if it's plausible, but sure. 
that seems to fit with like the vibe that they're going for. I thought that was adorable. Yeah, it's and cute. It, it, it got too big of a laugh, according to the laugh track. But it's cute. But it makes a certain amount of sense. It glows, so you can see in the dark, and mm-hmm. you can hit people with it. It's not actually the most irrational thing. No, no. But what I was here for, I will, like, the moment I was like, if the show was all this, this would be one of the best shows on television. It's just not. Was the moment when they start arguing about Superman... One. They did that whole thing, didn't they? They did. I can't remember how that conversation breaks out. As some, it's some, they, as, they were going to have a Superman movie watching marathon. Right, but I don't remember why they're standing in the hallway inviting Penny. Like, this must be when she think, asks him to... I think that happens right near the beginning of the episode. Uh, she asks them, she gives them the spare key, asks them if they'll get the furniture for her. While they're in the middle of eating their Thai food. Yes. And so there was another one of those opportunities to ask her over for lunch. Yes. Enticing her with the Superman marathon. She says that she likes a Superman movie where uh, Superman catches Lois Lane falling out of the helicopter. And she asks which one that is. And All of them go, one. one. And then they proceed to argue about whether that is feasible for him to catch her given the velocity with which she'd be falling from the helicopter by the time that Superman caught her. They argue about Superman's powers. And the relative density of Superman as a, you know... Yes, and they suggest that if he were to catch her in that scenario, that uh, she would fall into three pieces as she fell through her arms, and that Sheldon argues that the more humane thing to do would be let her just fall flat onto the concrete. Uh, And then they go on... I think the end of that joke is that Sheldon will go through Leonard's 3,000 issues or whatever to find evidence that Superman does actually have cells that store energy from the yellow sun so he can keep his powers when the sun is not shining. Which is a dumb bet for Leonard to take, because of course everyone knows that Superman has Kryptonian cells that absorb sunlight. It was not going to take 3,000 issues to find a reference to that. Also, I think... I uh, did not know that. Well, of course you didn't know that, but that's fine. I'm just saying... Also, I, as a physicist, I don't think it's as implausible as Sheldon makes it sound that Superman can... Uh, decelerate basically at an infinite differential so that he can go from like going 600 miles an hour to like decelerate Lois Lane as he's catching her. You know, well, you... part of the argument there was can he decelerate at will? Because I think it was Leonard was arguing, or one of them, that his flight was itself not actual flight, but a feat of strength, and that he did he could not just fly and stop and accelerate and decelerate at will. But it was like a mighty push. Well, that I mean, he can float. If you can float, then you can accelerate and decelerate at will. But you have to ignore that part of his powers for the joke to work. Well, that's I'm, I don't care how it functions as a joke. I'm here for the in-depth analysis, which was mostly on point and a great signifier of just how hard Superman has to work whenever he's catching somebody. I don't think most people appreciate just how much work the man obviously puts into that perfect intercept. In that scene? Hey, Kyle. Yes? It happened again. Oh. Okay, I'm just saying. It was a good scene. Okay. So we have we have, we have, have you getting riled up about the Flash's gloves. We don't have to keep a count. The both of us continuing to litigate this argument that we point out as a ridiculous example of these nerds while ourselves getting pretty invested in how it works. I think we are two for two. <laughs> For the Big Bang Theory, not being so far off on the thing that we claim not to be. I admit nothing.
That's fine. All right. Don't have to admit anything. An observation. Not necessarily true. Just an interpretation of what we've gone through. But I do think that is the entire episode. Yes. And so one thing that we thought might be fun to do is try to talk about what we learned from this episode. What If, if each of these episodes can be thought of as uh, a lesson, what, what would that lesson be? What stands out either explicitly or just from something a character did, said, a scene, whatever? I guess what I would is it's okay to break into a woman's apartment. As long as you're doing something nice for her. That's really the important part. I think that is a weird, classically romantic kind of thing. I remember seeing a play years ago about someone who was trying to be a real Prince Charming, but to every other person who was not bought into that fantasy, it was incredibly apparent that they were a stalker. And how those behaviors, a lot of crossover... Um, on a similar note, not something that I think I learned, honestly, while watching the episode, but during our own discussion on that same thing, is that destroying something and leaving it in disarray is much less terrifying than leaving a completely inexplicable scene that if they had cleaned that room and just left it without any indication that they were there... That's terror for a while. Well, we, we have to have random chit-chat to fade out. I mean, really, the one thing that they don't consider is that Superman has an inertia-negating field, which is, I think, where the current science is at on how his powers work. I mean, obviously, if he can fly, he can negate gravity. Why can't he negate inertia, then? Now you're just buying into it. Now you are doing this to us on purpose. I think it's fair to say that this show is going to defy expectations in ways that will be fundamentally upsetting to us. <laughs> <laughs>